Hi everybody. Hello, Dr. Ruth Gervas. How are you doing, Ruth I'm pretty good. Uh, I got the sniffles a little bit, so I sound a bit nasal, but uh, I always do, What's, so it's probably fine. Yeah. What's the difference? So this is just another podcast like any other. Yep. <laughs> but today, <laughs> sorry, Thanks. but today we have a very special topic in our science uh, videos. We're doing science in movies, the jungle, the jungle in movies. Jungle movies. The jungle is not just uh, a region on Earth with, with its own climate and habitat and flora and fiona and all that kind of shit. Fiona! Oh, I'm so happy I found you! There's something about the jungle that sparks our imagination, whether for good and whether for bad. And we're going to explore that too along with the science and along with a little bit of history, human history, with the jungle. And it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, the jungle is a bunch of different things. The jungle is the older term for what we now call the tropical rainforest. And then the tropics are sort of this area around the equator. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is always uh, an area with a lot of rainfall and with... Parts of the year where the sun is directly overhead, which is not outside the tropics. Yes. And you have different seasons there. Everything is different there. Well, in, in some ways, you, it's the part of the world where there is no seasons, almost. At least there's much yeah. less seasonality than elsewhere in the more temperate or Arctic zones. Yeah, it's like rainy or dry, and even the dry, is it really dry? Uh, the much the like the drier zones are actually a bit further away from the equator. So if you travel from the equator towards the poles, there's first the wet part, and then there's like the deserts, right? So like the Sahara or the Kalahari and so on, and and beyond that it becomes kind of subtropical, Mediterranean, temperate, and then Arctic. So I find this topic uh, of the jungle fascinating and. I want to start off by by the image of the jungle, through the image of the jungle. And it's, it's actually, there's something, a very recent reference for people here living in Israel. So I live in Tel Aviv. No jungles here in the Middle East. That's, uh, we're like 30 degrees above uh, the equator. But just the other day, there was this interview with a politician a uh, right-wing politician who echoed something that a uh, previous prime minister, left of center, said a while back. He said, Israel is a villa in the jungle. That's kind of a theme that some uh, nationalists slash racists say, whatever you, you decide. We are a villa in the jungle. And then this image, even though we have no jungle here, no jungle in, in Jewish lore or anything, still this image of this dangerous, barbaric, crazy, lawless place where civilization cannot enter. We are barred from entry. This is the only region on earth that is so teeming with life, but still it's away from our grasp in terms of what we usually do, come in, conquer, subjugate, decide how everything works. But the jungle, this is a whole different animal. Savage lands outside of the reach of civilization, and outside of uh, enlightened law, but more, you know, the law of the jungle applies. Exactly, exactly. So the movies that, are there, that we're going to 
talk through the about the jungle we have five movies this is going to be a special podcast first we have the jungle on Pandora the Pandoran jungle the Navi there in the, the movie avatar this so we're going to start with a fictional jungle just to set the stage about the jungle in our minds rather than the actual jungle uh-huh. then after that we're going to go to apocalypto mm-hmm The Mel Gibson movie about the Native Americans in uh, Mexico just before uh, the Spanish uh, came over to kill them all. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go to Tarzan, the latest Tarzan, the legend of Tarzan from 2016 yep. with uh, Skarsgård. He's the, he's the Tarzan there. And Christoph Waltz. And that's in Africa. And he's right, Tarzan, he's like royalty, both royalty, civilized, refined, and a barbarian slash an incredible specimen of the jungle. This is also the romanticized version of the jungle. After that, we're going to go to India, the jungle book, mostly the, not the animated one, the CGI one, what the Indian jungle is like. And then we're going to cap it all off with Apocalypse Now. The Southeast Asian jungle, as the psychedelic, crazy jungle of our own minds, maybe. But first, you know what? First, let me give a shout out to a couple of patrons. I want to give today a shout out to Aisha Smith, patron Aisha Smith. Hi, Aisha. How are you doing? And Alexandra Balan. Alexandra is actually, I know her, I, uh, was a, we were pen pals for a time. She's a very gifted uh, illustrator. I want to start giving some shout-outs to patrons, so thank you, Alexandra and Aisha. And if you want to support the channel, you can go to patreon.com slash gotacademy uh, to help us keep going, or you can go to paypal slash, paypal.com slash gilkid uh, for a one-time uh, donation, if you feel like it. But now, let's get to it. Jungle in Movies, another science edition. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Let's go on airborne. Well, we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. For our first movie, we are taken to a fictional jungle, but it really has all the trappings and all of the conflicts that we see in the real jungles. So in this case, already to make it clear that the jungle is, is full of different dangers and threats and problems, the place is called Pandora. You are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora. <laughs> very subtle. Very subtle. Oh, it's all very, very subtle. So this is a jungle on a different planet. But nonetheless, it needs to be colonized because there is a very precious mineral there which is also the case in the real tropics. Mm. What's it called? The, because they're not very good at picking names. They call the planet Pandora and they call the mineral... Unobtainium. Yeah. Unironically. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they mean it seriously yeah. even. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not an accident that this jungle is on another planet, right? This is sometimes how we feel that the jungle is like a different... And it's going to be a recurring theme in all these movies. Yeah, the, the colonizers uh, and or the colonized are basically aliens to each other, space mm-hmm. aliens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Avatar is the classic story of the white savior 
in the jungle mm-hmm. of colonizers showing up and coming into contact with wild nature, with very scary, dangerous animals that can jump you all of a sudden because in the jungle you can't look very far. So just behind the, the first layer of vegetation, there could be some scary hammerhead rhino or whatever that just jumps at you. Yeah. Don't shoot, you'll piss him off. It's already pissed off. Jake, that armor's too thick. Trust me. And, of course, there is native people who, in most of these movies, are noble savages. We have an indigenous population of humanoids called the Na'vi. They're fond of arrows dipped in a neurotoxin that'll stop your heart in one minute. And they have bones reinforced with naturally occurring carbon fiber. They are very hard to kill. They have only redeeming qualities. They are perfect. They're very nice. They have a different skin color, but it is a bit more comfortable to make it a skin color that doesn't actually occur on Earth. Otherwise, we'd really have to interrogate actual conflict. Yeah. And also like a, like a mix of cultures. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like they look a little bit Native American, but also African. So you can't really pinpoint the, the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And and the colonizers are not like like Americans per se. They don't say that they're Americans. So you can root against yourself <laughs> and your own history. You can root for the Native Americans and against and and for the death and destruction of the of the American soldiers without feeling too guilty because it's not about you. It's it's, it's somewhere far away. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, uh, the conflict is all very comfortable in the sense that both sides are kind of far away and you can identify with the other side and in fact you can identify more so with the other side than ever in reality because you can even become the other side through these remotely controlled bodies called avatars yeah they didn't explain that they're just like this is this is the premise that this is possible well they explain it a little bit so they have these um uh, sort of hybrids uh, of the uh, uh, of the other race, except they have some of the genetics of humans, so much so that you can actually kind of uh, log in on the nervous system ah, of your avatar. Um, yeah. And so then you can steer <laughs> that body and move it around. Uh, and this is also why the main character had to be the twin of the other guy that died because yeah. then they're genetically identical so they are compatible yeah, yeah. with the system that's that's being presented here yeah yeah yeah. i meant like uh, like scientifically viable but it's also now that i think a bit about like the final battle between uh, the avatar of the of the protagonist and the american the bad american general also inside a different body a mechanical body so this is to represent like again the battle between the progress and nature, the natural, the good, the connection with nature, and the, and and civilization with all its faults. And there's a, in the beginning, like this general gives a speech. He says, "Out there beyond that fence, every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes." On my face from my first day, blah blah blah. So again, this is the way that uh, the West for lack of a better term right now, views uh, the jungle. Mm-hmm. So we have two flips of the coin, right? On the one hand, it's just like the most dangerous thing, and on the other hand, it's the most uh, magical thing. But I wanted to ask you something about Avatar. So 
we see these uh, Navi control the animals through their magic, uh, whatever, braid, and then connect with the animal and then do, tell the animal what to do. So this could look like domestication, basically. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Aren't animals in the, in the jungle less likely to be domesticated than animals that live in other... It is like a very, very specific evolutionary trait that the, these animals evolved to have the ability to be domesticated by the Navi. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, the trick in the movie is that basically every living thing has like a socket that you can plug into and they can all communicate yeah. in, in some sort of organic <laughs> internet where the, they exchange yeah, ideas. The USB. And, so and this is, I think what it's supposed to represent is basically the opposite of domestication. Actually, it, it's supposed to represent that those people or the Navi are more in touch with nature as opposed to the animals being more pre-adapted to be domesticable, right? So actually we have these noble savages which are closer to nature and more in tune with the vibes of everything that's living around them and they can just communicate with that more easily because they are more noble savages wild wild people but they have to make the animal listen but but in order to make the animal listen they have to beat the animal and and and, and, and the, the dominate it i want to get that in there okay now you have to do what i uh, what i tell you yeah but that's i mean that's always where you where you plug something in like where you plug in usb you probably have to do it two or three times in in different uh, <laughs> arrays before it works and this is just how sockets work that's just kind of oh, okay you know. but what about domestication actual domestication of uh, of animals in the jungle like uh, civilizations living in the jungle what what animals did they domesticate there's very little domestication of uh, animals really in the jungle uh, probably because this those animals are just not really amenable to domestication like maybe you can tame some some animals but um, really to domesticate them so that we actually can take over a whole group of these animals and start breeding them they'd probably have to come out of different ecosystems uh, with maybe a bit less predation pressure, so they're less skittish and less likely to run away. Uh, they would have to be in an environment where you can actually form slightly larger social groups so that we as humans can take over the herd uh, and it's somewhat less likely to occur really inside the jungle. Um, mm. So actually, on Avatar, the the main domesticated animals are more also the ones from the plains, right? There's like the sort of the plains Indians right. on horseback, and they're actually right. so not from the rainforest, but from a different ecosystem. Right. Only the birds. Can you domesticate to uh, like they domesticate? There's like dragons, like and actually there's like this scene right when he goes down, where it comes down with the with the dragon. This is like. Daenerys <laughs> totally oh, giving a speech yeah. right to the to the Dothraki but uh, domesticating birds is that is that something that like except pigeons chickens sure geese turkeys, chickens but, right yeah. but like uh, like like birds that actually fly <laughs> very high up uh, like eagles yeah, you can domesticate bit. eagles a little bit okay sure yeah there's there's like the hunting uh, yeah eagles uh. right Hawks and stuff. Hawks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one thing, like you mentioned the exoskeleton a bit a bit earlier, and uh, I think it's true that one part of that is that they're both in some way avatars, 
right? So there are sort of projections into a different body. But this yeah. movie also really references the movie Aliens in a lot of different ways. Yep. So there's the exoskeleton. There's also, of course, Sigourney Weaver in there. There's also like the uh, really rough uh, Latina woman in the tank top who is like a fierce fighter. Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> and in some ways, this is basically the movie Aliens, but from the perspective of the aliens, right? So there's all of a sudden people <laughs> come and intrude on their planet and they have to fight them off, which is basically the premise of the movie Aliens as well. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to elaborate on the people living in the jungle and in other places in our next history podcast where we're going to do indigenous peoples in, uh, in movies, history in movies. There was also, I, I thought, a reference to Apocalypse Now when they call their either the operation or the, or the, the planes, they call it Valkyrie, which is the, the, right, the, the, the name of, uh, of the Wagner uh, music. Uh, you know, I love the smell of Nepal in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's both a reference then to the... Wagner ring cycle and then the, the Valkyries are these sort of the goddesses from Norse mythology who choose who gets to live and who gets to die so it's kind of the capriciousness on the battlefield in both cases mm. and what about the history of exploration of, of exploring the jungle this is an economic scientific military expedition that's usually how it went uh these sort of mixed uh, uh, expeditions where there's these, uh, I guess when we're talking about the particular era where Europeans set out to explore the quote-unquote dark continents, uh, and then there was sort of these, these mixed expeditions of partly scientific, uh, like late or middle 19th century, like science expeditions, but also, well, let's look if there's any useful resources there. Uh and let's look if there's any land grab that's going to be somewhat feasible. Uh, so all kind of combined um, uh, and integrated. This is why we're here, unobtainium, because this little gray rock sells for 20 million a kilo. That's the only reason. It's what pays for the whole party. It's what pays for your science. Comprendo? Now those savages are threatening our whole operation. We're on the brink of war, and you're supposed to be finding a diplomatic solution. So use what you've got and get me some results. They try to give them civilization and stuff and, and, and teach them, but they just like mud. So, eh, you know, you can't teach the, these uh, savages uh, anything. But, you know, on the other hand, I didn't like the, the condescension in the Navi uh, culture. She meets this guy, he's a human, okay, so he comes from a different culture. Why does she call him a child that knows nothing? How would she like it if she came over here and we say, oh, you don't know how to log on to the internet? Oh, you're stupid. That's very racist. Oh, and, and, and basically uh, their culture, by the way, was really easy to break, break in on because like, apparently it <laughs> was very, very rare and difficult to fly on the big dragon. He trains to be Navi for a yeah. couple of weeks. He flies the dragon. He's just better at being Navi than the actual Navi. <laughs> Actually, yeah, so that yeah. what the, you know what that reminded <laughs> me of? Like, okay, so he goes into the body of those other people. That reminded me of Rachel Dolezal. Remember the woman who 
was white, but then she led a chapter of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington, ah, pretending to right. be black. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The savior. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I tried to watch a documentary about her, but I couldn't even bear a movie from her point of view. It was just... Uh, yeah, that was on annoying. Netflix, eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah, on Netflix, on Netflix. And and the reason that there is so much life in a relatively small small area is because of the, the rain, right? Just in general, the um, climate, because it's less seasonal and because there's less of a, a tough season, like a winter uh, where there's less growing, things can grow sort of more uh, luxuriously, vibrantly, uh, nicely, mm. um, and so that creates a lot of opportunity, and so there would be many different species there. Okay, okay. So let's move on to our first real jungle, jungle of Latin America, of Mexico. Let's go to Apocalypto. Yeah. So this movie is entirely in the Navi language, <laughs> in, the, in, the, <laughs> in the local language, and I was surprised. First of all, okay, I was surprised by how boring Avatar was. Uh, watching it at home without the 3D glasses and yeah. you're nodding so yeah. you're agreeing with me yeah I agree how, and how much uh, how many cliches there are condescending cliches there are in yeah. there you know, but, but on the flip side I was surprised by how good Apocalypto was okay so it has its faults and you have like a whole tribe of like really 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 bad Native Americans who are just like very very bad mm-hmm. but overall I was like I like I wanted to watch the whole movie nonstop, even though it's in a language that I that I don't know, and it's a very, very violent. But it was uh, it was good. It was good. It was good. What yeah. did you think? Did you like it? Yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie by Mel Gibson, and so that's a little bit problematic. But Mel Gibson, he makes decent, watchable movies, I suppose. Does he have a better movie than this one? Which movie? Maybe not. No. I'm trying to think about this. And this was, I think, like his least successful of his uh, like solo movies where he's directing and doing everything. But uh, critical uh, reception was uh, uh, very positive, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it follows like a, a tribe of uh, Native Americans. And there's the theme of how, like, you have the different factions. So at first, like, the first 40 minutes, you have different factions between, like, in between this, uh, this tribe. This one doesn't go like this one, the mother, blah, blah. Then comes another tribe, just like, oh, you're all the same, boom, let's kill everybody. And there's this whole war and chase and what you're going to do in this crazy jungle. At the end, it doesn't even matter. You're all going to die here, the Spanish. And uh, you're all the same to them. You're all barbarians. So it's kind of uh, retroactively make the whole drama unimportant, which I thought was uh, was an interesting. I, I would have preferred to be the last shot on the beach when they're coming and that's it. And you don't know what's going on because it doesn't matter what's going on because, okay, this one gets to live. The other one gets to die. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypto takes place in uh, on the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Uh, so there are parts of it uh, take place in the jungle and parts of it are in more settled, urbanized areas where the culture there is kind of representing the Maya culture, but um, a bit more brutal than they probably actually were in reality. 
the uh, uh, all the executions that are happening are not to the same extent Maya actually. Uh, and it's uh, so it's the uh, jungle of the neotropics, which means that there's there's uh, jaguars, there's uh, tapirs, and there's somewhat different uh, tree species and plants and dogs. Is it is that is is that actually the case? They have dogs there. No, there were dogs in in the new world. There's been domestication of of uh, of dogs in the new world. I I don't really know about Mexico specifically, but there's mm. been. But in the jungle, it's, it's I don't know. It seemed a little bit weird, like a like a jungle dog. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they brought him over from uh, from the city. Uh, the jungle, which the main character lives in, the main character is called Jaguar Paw. That's his home. So that's not the scary, uncivilized place. That's just just where mm. he's comfortable, and that's where he also lays all his traps for the people chasing him. And the city yeah. for him is wow. scary. Yeah, the civilization is dangerous. And actually, the movie, in some ways, uh, in some ways, the movie is more like uh, kind of like Die Hard or something, right? Like the jungle is like Nakatomi Plaza, and Jaguar <laughs> Paul is John McClane. And then when yeah. he finally traps Zero Wolf in the tapir trap, I'm sure he said, "Yippee motherfucker!" <laughs> ah, yeah, he looked him in the eye. It was uh, he was thinking. Boom. He was thinking it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the jungle there is not only like dangerous because of all the plants and stuff that can burn your testicles or just are uh, gross in some other way just a prank bro. but it's also yeah <laughs> but uh, wow they were going way too hard in the, on these pranks <laughs> getting this guy to put the leaves that, that that burn his testicles off come on that's not cool that's, no, not, that's cool. not cool at all that's crossed the line yeah <laughs> I was like, just butcher them all, other <laughs> Native Americans over there. Fuck you, you just got pranked. But then it's also dangerous because you can be taken just like that as a slave. Even before the slave trade come in, comes in, there's this the local slave trade yep. that they have. Actually, I don't know if you call it slave, but you just like, you know, just to kill you, just to kill you, you know, because of God, whatever. Well, I think there were different classes, right? So, so they, uh, the Mayas kind of captured the people in the jungle, some of whom were to be sacrificed. But on the way to uh, for the to the place where the sacrifices happen, mm. you can see that there's also just people working as slaves in in the mines right. and in construction right. and on the farms. Yeah, no. yeah. So the message of the movie is kind of like. This is the way of the world. Yeah. The the white Europeans are not worse than other people. It's just when you have power, uh, you abuse power and you do horrible things. And yeah. maybe this is not in the movie. Maybe the reason that the Europeans were the worst is because they had the ability to be worse and to do worse, worse things at that particular time. And I guess this is... Uh, I, I don't mind this... Uh, this message at all i think it's an accurate message like people are colonizers of other people weaker than them i mean i understand that that's kind of a, a, a cop-out for me to say that as a european but that's what history <laughs> kind of shows right just in general that's what's going to happen 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if some things would have gone uh, the other way, some arbitrary accidental things, then you would have been uh, colonized by someone else, whatever, yeah. not you, whatever, Europeans. Uh, so we also saw there, like, uh, so you, you, we saw a panther. Was it a jaguar or a panther? Uh, I thought it was jaguar. And also a lot of snakes. Uh-huh. And a lot of poisonous uh, stuff. So this again goes to what you mentioned earlier about because there's so many animals and plants, then you're going to have a lot of applications, useful applications, and uh, all kinds of variety. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. In one scene, you can see Jaguar Paw uh, trapping this uh, tree frog, which is very brightly colored because that's of yeah. course a signal. Watch out! I'm very poisonous. And then he uh, uses the frog to poison his darts. And then he makes this impromptu kind of blowpipe to uh, take out one of uh, the people chasing him. Anyways, let's go to the Jungle Book. Jungle Book. No, Tarzan first. The African... Tarzan? You wanted to go to Tarzan first? Okay. Let's go to the Tarzan first. Okay, let's get this thing over with. I know you hated the Tarzan movie. (laughs) Oh, I forgot that I hated it. Uh, And there are maybe some things to hate about it. But uh, the movie says a couple of things that are uh, important to know, I guess, or it makes some references. Uh, It makes references to the uh, colonization of the Congo, which was uh, Mm -hmm. a horrific uh, story, essentially. And we mentioned a little bit earlier this uh, phenomenon of these uh, late 19th century expeditions, which are half commercial, half colonizing, And in this movie, there's some reference being made to that. So very early in the movie, we uh, meet this chief Mbonga, who is uh, actually played by Jimon Hunsu. And then what's being said is, oh... uh, Chief Mbonga, I presume. And that's a reference to a kind of an important event where um, Stanley, uh, one of the explorers, went into the jungle to find uh, David Livingstone and eventually he finds him and then let's quote a little bit so uh, okay that's in the movie or that's the story behind that's it's that's the story behind it so uh, Stanley was uh, kind of an explorer working for the New York Herald and he was going to find David Livingstone who had been disappeared in you know deep dark Africa quote-unquote and then he reports that he finds him and he says Preserving a calmness of exterior before the Arabs, because there was also Arabs there, so it's not real exploration. <laughs> before the Arabs, which was hard to simulate as he reached the group, Mr. Stanley said, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. A smile lit up the features of the pale white man as he answered, Yes, and I feel thankful that I'm here to welcome you. And this is a famous, famous moment in the history of you know, white people kind of exploring uh, the Congo. Uh, and it was part of Stanley's missions, which eventually he started doing for King Leopold II of Belgium. So he was kind of the point man for the colonization of the Congo as a personal fief of the King of the Belgians. Uh, and so eventually that became the Congo Free State and uh, under King Leopold II, some by some estimate, like 10 million Congolese died. Oh, no. Really? 10 million? Something like that, yeah. Wow. November 24th, 1964, five months after Chambé takes over Stanleyville, the rebels' capital is captured by American-transported Belgian paratroopers and by American-supplied white mercenaries. 
the city is littered with unburied, rotting corpses. Here in the Congo, these new atrocities have old roots. Half a century ago, the white colonials used to cut off the hands of the blacks who didn't work fast enough. During that period, so much killing and torture was so cruelly and persistently practiced that the black population decreased from 20 million to 12. And now we reap what we have sown. That was kind of the beginning of the extraction of natural wealth out of the Congo. First ivory, then diamonds, and this is, I mean, this is still going on. Right? 98% of these mines are brutally controlled by rebel militias, relying on a system of forced labor that amounts to modern slavery. There's much at stake for the rebels. It's not just gold in the jungle, but cassarite and coltan. Rare earth minerals, vital to the functioning of our computers and mobile phones. So that's, that was, I thought, important to show in this movie. And then the rest of this is basically the, basically the same plot as Avatar, right? There's a white man and he goes native. And then he's actually more in touch even with nature than the people there. Uh, and then he frees mm-hmm. them. He's the savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We've, we've seen because he has before. both the native side and the white side, right? So that makes him better than the, exactly. Than he others. brings his, his extra skills of civilization and higher knowledge into the jungle, which just empowers him even more. Which is a very colonial story. You know? I, I was going to say that it sounds uh, scientifically sound, but okay, colonial. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so, but one more thing to uh, to say about this, I think I think we could probably move on quite quickly. But there is just a couple of things that need to be hammered in the ground here. So one is the is the colonization of the Congo and the stories to justify that and the people behind it. Uh, another thing to point out is that even at the time, it it started to become kind of clear uh, to a lot of people that this was actually too brutal, right? So. Uh, King Leopold II was being criticized for that. And eventually the Belgian government, the state, took over and took this fiefdom from him because it was just Mm. getting out of hand. And one of the things that was instrumental in this was a book that basically showed the savagery of the Europeans going into the jungle there. And that's the book Heart of Darkness uh, by Joseph Conrad. Okay. Uh, and who's that, Joseph Conrad? He's a he's a writer, um, and he tells the story of there being an ivory trader called Kurtz, who uh, somewhere inside the jungle of the Congo, uh, just way uh, oversteps the bounds of what civilized quote unquote people are supposed to do, uh, and then eventually he's he's you know he's stopped essentially, um, and that story Joseph Conrad wrote that story basically as kind of a metaphor for what was happening there in the Congo. And that story became also the basis for the movie Apocalypse Now, which is based on that same book. Mm, Right. So the savagery of the Europeans going into the jungle and just uh, looking to become basically worshipped like gods because they bring their extra power or technology or whatever in there and just go native in a negative way. Uh, That's a theme that actually uh, is in this movie and in that book and also in Apocalypse Now. 
Tarzan, we didn't say it's not just Skarsgård, it's also Christoph Waltz and Samuel L. Jackson. I was like, how come I never heard of this movie? Uh, because it sucks. That's uh, the reason. But Sam Jackson is there just to be like the, the, the black guy who is less African than the white guy, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, but I thought Christoph Waltz, like, I like him in every movie. And I thought mm-hmm. he, was, he was also by far the best character in this movie. Actually, the only memorable character in, in any case. Definitely. So apparently, like a lot of nature, a lot of dangers, no uh, uh, civilization there to ground you. This is a dangerous recipe for 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 people. We need the structure of our society in order to keep us together, keep ourselves together, like in our own minds. Yeah. But it's also, uh, on the flip side, it's kind of like a playground where you can play out these uh, what if the uh, normal rules of civilization no longer apply? Mm -hmm. What are you then capable of? Then you can be like a god, right? And uh, and so that that psychology is also explored. And in some ways, it's very appealing also to the writers of the time that actually all of these stories were written this, that there is this world where, you know, the the normal rules of like liberal democratic society, which was just starting to form, uh, don't apply. Instead, there's the law of the jungle, which is kind of like a might makes right kind of thing. And oh, isn't that great? You know, it's uh, yeah. like a lot of these writers, I mean, they would have been, cancelled right away if they were around right now right <laughs> uh, i guess we're we are going to be talking about jungle book and of course that's a book from that time like uh, the, the jungle book by kipling was written 1894 the heart of darkness 1899 uh huh. tarzan is 1912 just a slightly later uh, another book which i feel like is being referenced a lot is actually a a book of poetry by a guy called Hilaire Belloc, who was basically just a fascist. Um, and he has this poem about what it's like to be the colonizer and to be so much more powerful than those natives and to have the Maxim gun, right? So these machine guns. Okay. And like his, the quote, the, the essential quote from the poem is, whatever happens, we have got the Maxim gun and they have not. <laughs> and so the colonizers, they can, like, whatever conflict breaks out, we have the machine gun, we press the button, and we can just deal with the natives. And actually, that image of just a simple machine gun that just sprays bullets over the natives is in almost all of these movies. At least it's in Avatar, of course, yeah. once they do the bombing run. Um, it's in Tarzan, very much in the climatic scene. It's also in Apocalypse Now. 1886 model Maxim machine gun. This is way better than my Walker coats. And also, you know what's also in, in, in most of these movies that you mentioned? You have nature fighting back, right? In Avatar, you have the, 
the birds and the rhinos and in Tarzan you have the the alligators and the other other animals so it's like nature itself is fighting back against the society which is figuratively right we haven't been able we haven't been able to truly colonize uh, the jungle as we did like other uh, parts of the of this earth okay let's go to the jungle book Yep. Mm-hmm. This is a jungle. When you say the law of the jungle, this is quite literally, there is a law of the jungle. Hunting at the riverbank was now forbidden because, by law of the jungle, drinking comes before eating. So you could come to the Peace Rock on a day like this and find all people side by side. Which is unjungle like. This is very civilized. When there's a drought, there's a truce when you go and drink the water. And nobody breaks the truce. Not even the big bad uh, tiger uh, Shir Khan. Sure. So, so that's like not very jungly. This is in the not the animated version, right? In the CD CGI whatever version. Oh sure, but but this is the kind of law that uh, the colonizers of the time really liked. I mean, this is not a democratic law. This is not a law that somehow uh, debated and voted on in the parliament. This is the kind of law of, well, we have different classes with different, you know, people, but on animals at different stations mm-hmm. in lives. So there's the predators, sort of the nobility, yeah. and there's the, the prey, the serfs. Yeah. And we all stay in our own uh, area and look how what a nice, stable, feudal society we now have. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they also have PC. Like when... Uh, when Mowgli is there, like the all the parents of the animals say, "Don't stare at him, don't look at him." Well, no, don't say this out loud. He can hear you You're being racist. Come on, what's he gonna think about me? He's walking on two legs. Don't stare. So, so how is the Indian jungle different from the South American jungle, whatever the Yucatan jungle and the and the African jungle? Uh, this is uh, a little bit further to the north, uh, further mm-hmm. away from the equator. Uh, which means it's ah. a little bit drier. So I the see. reason that it's a jungle is because of the Himalayas and the rainy season that they have over there. This is how this part is so far north. It's still so rainy because they have like right the altitude. It gets stuck. The clouds get stuck in the Himalaya and then uh, come back. Uh, there's a bit of that, uh, but also there's. I mean, the opposite. It is uh, further away from the equator than uh, the Congo. And so it is drier than the Congo. So there's right, actually yeah. a drought here, right? Ah, right. There's a drought, actually, in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Heat crept through the jungle, turning it yellow, then brown, then black. But that year was the driest season that anyone could remember. Even the mower didn't flower. And there's the fires, right? Okay, talk about the fire. The fire as representing a civilization, I guess. Yeah, the fire represents civilization. The fire also represents uh, Mowgli being uh, a kind of a figure like Prometheus, right? Mm. So he is mm. the he has yep. the knowledge. He brings the knowledge into the forest. He brings the fire into the forest, just like Prometheus. Uh, and of course, then he upsets the balance, and he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Although he ends up winning, of course, uh, beating Shere Khan, but of course he should have stayed out. He shouldn't. He should have never been there. Of course, right? 
Right. So there's one thing that is a very, very obvious reference to Apocalypse Now, which is uh, the great big orangutan in the temple. Do you think that's the a way re- he is filmed, uh, the way he moves, yeah, and you first right. you hear him talk, and you see him half in the shadows. That's exactly like yeah. Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. You know who I am? No. I am the king of the bad dialogue. Call me Louis. So the orangutan being Christopher Walken was could also be a reference because it's a little bit like he, he's good at playing crazy people, uh, whatever, hallucinating and being out there. Could be a reference to Brando as called as uh, Kurtz, right? Being Absolutely. Weird and, also, uh, him stuff. being sort of worshipped like a god by the other monkeys. Yeah, it's it's totally Kurtz, but but also nice. just the the way he's filmed and the way he lords it over the rest there in the temple. That is. Completely apocalypse now. Yeah, nice. I didn't think about it. So, so basically, the whole uh, event that sets the whole uh, story in motion is that the human in the jungle is in danger. Again, the jungle is dangerous for humans. This is not your place. Have to go outside of the jungle where the humans live. So, because this is dangerous for you, but it also it's dangerous for the jungle because once the red flower gets loose, then it will destroy everything. So basically, it's about the segregation: humans outside the jungle, animals stay in the jungle, separate but equal. Yeah, but all these movies, except maybe Apocalypto, are very racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> So in the other movies, there's the indigenous people who are closer to nature, and then there's the white man who intrudes. Mm-hmm. And in the Jungle Book, it's the animals who are anthropomorphic, who are basically the indigenous people, and then Mowgli is like the white man, the intruder. So yeah. it's like it's it's switched up a little bit, but right. it's basically the same story. Like there's there's those natives. Who, oh, isn't this nice? They live in this sort of idyllic, yeah. uh, natural way, mm. and we mustn't d- disturb that because, mm. oh my God, aren't they happy, you know, with all the diseases and pathogens and, <laughs> and oh. tribal warfare and all the rest? Uh, and uh, we, the, 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 col- the colonizers, the Europeans, are kind of of a different sort, um, more advanced and yeah, therefore in some way dangerous. We have tricks. Right, like Mowgli has tricks. Okay, so let's go to the best movie of the bunch, Apocalypse Now, which I just finished watching today. And this is actually just my second time watching this, movies, this movie. And the, the, both times I watched the, the director's cut. I didn't know that this one was the director's cut until it was over. I saw this was like three and a half hours. Like the original movie is two and a half hours. So I don't even know what the original version uh, is like. But this basically is a story about how the further you get away from civilization and into the jungle, morality lose you you lose grip on morality, on reality, on your duty, on who you are, what's your purpose, what's your mission. Martin Sheen has this mission. He goes on a mission. By the end, he 
doesn't even know why he's doing it and this was the last mission that he will ever do and there's actually do you know that there's an Iron Maiden song about this movie no I did not know that it's called The Edge of Darkness they have a song for uh, about the, the book Dune they have a song in the same album of The Edge of Darkness it's the X Factor album it's the, the only album uh, without uh, Bruce Dickinson it's with Blaze something when he was doing a hiatus you have a they have a song in the same album about Lord of the Flies oh they have about the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas in the ah. <laughs> movie about in this album excellent movie by the way yeah Excellent movie, excellent movie, an excellent song, I must say. All the songs that I mentioned now, even though it's funny, it's also... But they're all, they're all about the uh, savagery, aren't they? aren't they? Because falling down, there uh, he slowly lo- yeah. loses his humanity. Lord of the Flies, very also very much. The yeah. kids lose their humanity. And actually, that would have been another good story to have in this uh, in this podcast uh, right okay okay so all the flies again when you take people away from society uh, they just uh, go crazy again morality uh, who's on the in group who's on the out group uh, how do you make decisions this is the law of the jungle ah we should have thought about that Okay. Pretty soon you're you're chopping off heads again and putting a pig's exactly. head on the stick. That's mm. that's where you're headed uh, once you enter into the jungle. There isn't anyone to help you. Only me. And I'm the beast. Simon's mouth labored, brought forth audible words. Pig's head on a stick. Fancy thinking the beast was something you can hunt and kill, said the head. So what did you think about uh, Apocalypse Now? Super intense, super intense. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, so the first time I watched it, this was in high school. And uh, back then, it was just about the time that the Vietnam movies were kind of fashionable. right? So now we're talking like the first half of the 1990s. And there was a bunch of these movies coming out. But that was not the director's cut. And then later I watched the director's cut. And now this time for the podcast, I also watched this one. Um, so what's the difference? The, so the main difference is uh, the whole French scene is not in the other right. one. Nothing about the French there. Nothing about the French. Um, and then some other bits, I think, are maybe a little bit shorter here and there. But that meant, uh, I, I think the Playboy Bunny scene <gasps> that was horrible. is Shorter, I think. I'm not oh sure. My goodness, like they're raping, like they're selling the the women. We're slowly uh, going upstream, and uh, just the rules gradually change. You know. Plus, we gotta fill that thing up with gas. No, man, we gotta pop by the department store, pick up the mattress, and I wanna yeah. get a nice one too. Yeah. You know but the the what? The mattress? What do we need a mattress for? What do you mean? What do we need a mattress for? Why in the hell do you think we just spent all that money on a boat? The whole purpose of buying the boat in the first place was to get the ladies nice and tipsy topside so we can take them to a nice, comfortable place below deck and, you know, they can't refuse because of the implication. Oh, uh, okay. You had me go in there for the first part. The second half kind of threw me. Well, dude, dude, think about it. She's out in the middle of nowhere with some dude she barely knows. You know, she looks around her. What does she see? Nothing but open ocean. Ah, there's nowhere for me to run. What am I going to do? Say no? Okay, that, <laughs> that seems really dark. No, no, it's not dark. You're misunderstanding me, bro. I'm, okay? I'm, I think I am. Yeah, you are. Because if the girl said no, then the answer obviously is no. No. But the thing right. is, is she's not going to say yeah. no. She would never say no because of the implication. Now, you, 
You've said that word implication a couple of times. What, what implication? The implication that things might go wrong for her if she refuses to sleep with me. Now, not that things are going to go wrong for her, but she's thinking that they will. But it sounds like she doesn't want to have Why sex with you. Why aren't you understanding this? I don't, she, she doesn't know whether she wants to have sex with me. It's that she doesn't know. That's not know. the issue. Are you going to hurt be a, women? I'm not going to hurt oh, these women. Okay. Why would I ever hurt these women? I, don't know. I feel like you're not getting this at all. I'm at not all. getting it. God damn. <laughs> and the only guy that didn't want to change the rules was the the chief of the of the houseboat of the boat not the houseboat yeah no he 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 tries to keep his humanity and then of course that fails in this all of a sudden he gets a spear through him and like it's like the sudden thing from trying to keep it together all this time and then boom and then he says a spear and that's it I never thought that I would be killed by a spear. Yeah, but it's, oh. it's so weird. Huh? And Lawrence Fishburne also there getting shot. Ay, 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 looking like he's like a 16-year-old. Do the right thing. Stay out of the way of the bullets. And bring your honey home all in one piece. Because we love you very much. Love, Mom. So here again, so here civilization is weapons, uh, napalm, uh, bullets, everything. This is what the white man brings uh, to the jungle. And surfing, and surfing. And surfing, right. Charlie, don't surf! In the contrast, so classical music... This is like the height, like the cliche, whatever height of, uh, you know, European uh, creation and, intellig- and intelligence and, uh, and all that. We now, with that, we just bring death and destruction. And it's contrasted in the scene when you go suddenly cut and go to the Vietnamese school. And it's just like super quiet, minding their own business. Just because he wants to surf. I don't think Wagner is the best example of really civilized high uh, culture i mean uh, wagner and the whole nibelungen cycle uh, and the whole ritual in bayreuth is is very uh, nazi-esque we're coming low out of the rising sun and about a mile out we'll put on the music music yeah i use wagner it scares the hell out of the slopes my boys love it but they have also an opera like an opera there which i didn't uh, recognize uh I thought it was just like meant to say, uh, so we think that we are more civilized, this is our civilization, but uh, mm, we just love the smell of Nepal in the morning. And then uh, Duval, he says, Someday this war's going to end. That's it. That's the end of the sentence. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he says it with slight dismay in his voice. Yeah, someday the fun's going to end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But he's very nice to you know the woman and her child, and he wants to give water to the guy that's dying. But then somebody, you know, distracts him, and he's like, "Any man brave enough to why would his gut strapped on to drink from my canteen any day?" Gives him water, and then somebody distracts him and tells him that the surfer is there, and just like. Just moves and the guy sees the guy on the ground. Oh, I want to drink. I want to drink. 
But there, there's kind of like this this regression, right? So that in that first step in the regression, uh, du, the Duval character is a bit like the medieval knights or something like that. Like there's some sort of chivalry, yeah, but nice. clearly just mental, just idiotic, right? Yeah. And and it just gets worse and worse from there. Yeah, he also has like the cavalry and the hat. Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, and the swords like there's on the on the nose of the helicopters. There's also these sabers crossed. Right, but when you get so then so they slowly lose lose their grip on 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 morality and whatever. Go back in time, and then by the end, it's like a god king warlord. Who just kills people for no reason with his own uh, death wish cult thing going on? There are so many good performances in there, uh, and and one of them also that I think is very good is uh, the Dennis Hopper character, the journalist, who is just totally wacko, right? And he loves it there in some way, and he's kind of like a disciple of Kurt. The man's enlarged my mind. Yeah. Uh, he's a poet, warrior in the, in the classic sense. Uh, I mean, sometimes he'll, uh, well, you say hello to him, right? And uh, he'll just walk right by you and uh, he won't even notice you. And then some, suddenly he'll grab you and he'll, he'll throw you in a corner and he'll say, do you know that if is the middle word in life? Clearly like an enthrall of this very evil person. Yeah. And like when he's told that he's crazy, the way that he protests is as if he knows that he's crazy, but he's trying to persuade himself. No, no. It's not like it's uh, like the first time that he heard of it. Like, what? Crazy? No. What did... So there was like an inner uh, battle going uh, inside his mind that was uh, very interesting for such a small role, basically. breathed yeah. uh, a lot of life into that small role. Yeah. The Kurtz character... Uh played by Marlon Brando, really represents this figure, almost like this this Superman in the Nietzsche kind of sense, like completely loose from all the constraints oh. and just acting uh, autonomously without any further um, yeah, influences from outside. He, 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 uh, there's no consideration for anything. No inhibitions, uh, nothing. No inhibitions, uh, yeah. And that goes a little bit further than uh, the original Kurt story, I think, right? Like in the original Heart of Darkness, it's more like this warning against the colonialism and look what these Europeans are, are doing once they are in in cultures where they sort of have more reach and, and, and they just go, you know, go crazy. But uh, this is a bit more... Um, yeah, what, what, a, yeah. It's as if this craziness allows introspection because he reads these right. articles, right. news articles yes. that are obviously yes. detached from reality and crazy and insane in their own rights, just like they're according to the roles and to the language that is accepted in society, whatever. Look what the president says. He says this and that, and it smells better, and this is, and it's just like all. Baloney, so it's like who's actually crazy? The fact that you are crazy doesn't mean that that the people that say that are saying that you're crazy are not crazy too. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah, I was trying to say that something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I piggybacked on that. And 
one of the best scenes is just like when they're getting to the end of the road, the end of the, of the river, and you start seeing all these people with uh, white uh, face paint and body paint, and it's just like one shot, just like continuous, like one, two minute shot, and you just like slowly get, get closer to them and like, what is going on in this place? So this is, again, going back in time, whatever, to the cradle of civilization. People are just all face paint, body paint, just looking at you as if you don't know they're alive, they're dead. Do they have like their own agency and thoughts and feelings or are they like one giant mass of... Uh, you don't know what's going on. It's just, it's, it's, it's become a psychedelic kind of foreshadowed with a with a score with a soundtrack at the beginning, right? This, This is the end, end right, by the doors. And, uh, there was another uh, song right after that, a little bit psychedelic, like what's what's reality, what's everything. I suppose there's one thing to explain real quick. Uh, it turns out that um, there's two movies in the five that we're watching, and both of them have the word apocalypse in them. Right, right, okay. But for totally unrelated reasons. At first I thought, oh, there, there must be something meaningful, symbolic that we can make out of this. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, so, maybe, uh, uh, maybe there uh, is. Apocalypse, maybe there is. right? Well, so Apocalypse, uh, it actually doesn't necessarily mean something super disastrous. I mean, that's, that has the, is the connotation that it's taken on. But uh, an, an Apocalypse is an basically unveiling or revelation, right? lifting the veil on something uh and oh, okay. in apocalypto mel gibson means like lifting the veil in terms of like there's a new beginning there's a new revelation which is actually the arrival of christianity to the natives in yucatan that's how he explained the title of the movie okay and then apocalypse now is actually just a play on words because so the first ideas for the movie were kind of conceived like at the tail end of the 60s, early 70s. Uh, and at the time, one of the slogans in the hippie culture was Nirvana now, like we can reach enlightenment right now by taking drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then uh, the play on words was that it, this goes completely in the dark, opposite direction of not Nirvana, but Apocalypse. But it's it's basically unrelated to the title of the other movie. It's, it's pure coincidence. The way the way that I see it, and obviously once you know uh, creation is out there, we can each of us like Mel Gibson doesn't have a precedent uh, over me in terms of over, or anybody in terms of uh, thinking what it means. Apocalypto. I don't know. He didn't choose that by accident because otherwise, because afterwards there was an apocalypse. And maybe Apocalypse Now is more like an apocalypse of the soul, of the individual in the war, and also kind of an apocalypse on the population uh, the, the population there. And we didn't mention the directed, uh, written directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Written also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, our next uh, endeavor together will be, will be indigenous people in movies, history in movies. Some of them, we're going to talk about some of the movies that we talked uh, today, but from a more uh, uh, human civilization perspective and add uh, some other movies. I think uh, Dances with Wolves has to be there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't... But do we have some final conclusions? 
Okay, final conclusions. Final conclusions. First, so nature near the equator is untamed and, and very dangerous, yes. but with uh, technology and, and Western ingenuity, we can uh, finally make it work and monetize the riches that are in the earth there. I think that's the conclusion. <laughs> ah, I have a different uh, conclusion. I'd say that, uh, that from these movies, that uh, nature in the near the equator is untamable and, and unobtainable and the only way and the only way that we can control it we can't control it but and if we try the only thing that we can do is destroy it just destroy it it's not you know it's different from like the high mountains high altitude mountains that we also can control but there's barely barely any life there so it's not that appealing like 50% of the of animals uh, or something uh, of life on earth is in the jungle something like that i don't think we really know but let's say for the sake of argument sure like a lot a lot of uh, like uh, there's more life there than in uh, other uh, climates and Absolutely. if we want to control it, we have to burn it like in brazil or chop it down you can't the way that it's set up it's like the it's it's not fit for civilization as it is you can live in it if you accept the rules of the game but you can't bring your city urban semi-urban kind of thinking and try to apply that in in that habitat no you can't so don't even try people don't even try so the encounter therefore descends into brutality yes and this is the only place other than islands, remote islands, where you have uh, uh, small civilizations totally detached from the, from the rest of the world, don't know anything about electricity, about the internet, don't know anything in Brazil, right? And some places in uh, India, also in East India. Uh, and this is not by accident that you don't have these many people uh, remote remote uh, uh, civilizations in you know in the mountains or in the desert because it's easier to get there and to take control of what you got okay okay so thank you everybody for tuning in thank you Utrecht. that was very interesting uh, so uh, if you enjoyed uh, this uh, episode uh, go to patreon.com slash got academy or click on the link for the paypal uh, contributions uh, that will go a long way and also yeah, share with your friends tell your friends check out if this is your first time here follow and check out our previous uh, previous episodes about science or about uh, history and all kinds of other stuff and uh, we'll see you all next time bye also yeah. <laughs> Educated man from the motherland. You see, they call me a star, but that's not what I am. I'm a jungle brother, a true blue brother. And I've been to many places you'll never discover. Step to my side, suckers running hot. Africa's in the house, they get petrified. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because they can't stand the sight of the jungle. I, they never fight a fuss. They never curse a cuss. They just stand on the side and stare at us. They get out of line. I put them on a vine and give them one big push for all mankind. There ain't nothing to it. I just go ahead and do it. I lay down in the jungle sound and run right through it. And when I'm on the mic, I never stutter or stumble because I'm a jungle brother. Straight, Straight out the out jungle. The jungle. jungle. jungle.